welcome to Estradile Illusions. We are back on the island of Sodor, and believe it or not, we have not been, we have not done a Thomas the Tank Engine and Chill, regular Thomas the Tank Engine and Chill since August with James Goes Buzz Buzz. In the meantime, we did have our Christmas Thomas Snowy Surprise coverage, and then in January we did Thomas and the Magic Railroad, but with Mandalorian and Schedule Time Off and Sundance. Our Saturdays have uh, not been spent at the island of Sodor. Has has that been has that affected uh, your life in a negative fashion, Tara? I mean, I've probably been playing too much video games instead. <laughs> so we should do more Thomas the Tank Engine show. You think? I mean, probably. We should probably get the uh, Terrible update while we're at it. Tara, what's new in your life since you were uh, last on the show? Um, not much. I think I've had some good online shopping purchases from Amazon. Um, a big win for this month of March. I remembered to change the calendars to March pretty early in the month. <laughs> um, a lot of rare achievements in uh, the Disney Adventure. Yeah, uh, I've been playing the Disneyland Adventures game on Xbox, which is like a 10-year-old game. So a lot of the park is actually outdated at this point. Um, and apparently not a lot of people play, so I get a lot of, like, 1% have completed this achievements. <laughs> that is my life. <laughs> well, we uh, we try our best to have uh, fun weekends, and I hope you do as well. And we're happy that uh, we're doing, uh, we're back to really one of the great Thomas the Tank Engine uh, tapes that, at least that was one of my favorites growing up. If you're just joining us for Thomas the Tank Engine and Chill, if you've never watched Thomas the Tank Engine and Chill before, we cover uh, individual Thomas the Tank Engine episodes, and we do it by the old VHS releases. The episodes are available uh, online, pretty easy to find, uh, streaming, all of that. And we, we pretty much do the VHS ones just as a way of keeping them organized, and of course that creates some timeline issues. And it's funny, with Percy's Ghostly Trick, I always kind of... I struggled to place where it was in the rest of the George Carlin era. Where also we we do the uh, we do them by the American uh, narrations. If you're an Australian or a British listener listening, uh, George Carlin, Michael Angelis, uh, same same sort of stuff. But when it came to Percy's Ghostly Trick, I always kind of had trouble figuring out where this tape existed in relation to. I guess it specifically James Goes Buzz Buzz or Daisy or Thomas Gets Bumped, mostly because. I mean, you can kind of tell uh, Oliver owns up. That kind of places it in the later half of that episode itself is the last half of the, or towards the end of season three, series three. But for the rest of them, with Percy and Thomas, you've got a lot of their branch line antics, and then it goes to the docks, and uh, it was always it was odd. I, I, you know, growing up, it was I didn't really have a, a map that said, okay, here's where the episodes, you know, here's where each episode. Or here's where each tape exists chronologically. The internet obviously wasn't around, uh, but it's funny that these uh, these tapes, some of these episodes are from 1986, and they wouldn't have been released on VHS until 1994, which is uh, that's a big gap. But so uh, I guess we would dive in. You know, this episode, this tape is singled out. It's really the one tape that has a sing-along at the beginning did you like the song at the beginning do you think that the rest of the tapes should have had a song at the beginning Tara? oh absolutely because if you save songs for the end you know people might turn it off but you know you've got to get a really good extra theme song in there 
got to learn about those characters. Thomas the Tank Engine rolling along. I still can't whistle. When I was a little kid, I'd go, bah, 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 bah. and now as a grown up, I can't whistle too. So I still, can I. still have to go. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, I mean, some of these songs, like the fish one, are pretty pretty stupid. Uh, this this one is one of the best ones. I like Night Train a lot, but. Uh, yeah, it's 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 fun. What's also kind of fun about the song is they show a lot of footage throughout the previous series. You don't actually, I had in my notes that you don't actually have any of the footage of like Oliver or uh, the great the great Christmas Thanksgiving episode. God, we'll get to that uh, later. Uh, you don't see that kind of footage until kind of the end of of the t- tape. And I was thinking to myself, like, are they did they make this? Did they make this song using footage that uh, just just of their existing collections, a distributor, like the American release? It it's it's an open question. It's not really too important. I don't want to dwell on. There's not really a ton of. Uh, what was your favorite part of the music video? One thing that I really found funny in it, they they do allude to there being more people than just the trains that they mentioned. They say something like all our other friends, and they show like a back shot of. Um, I think like their their names start with like bees or something. The little orange trains we've done them. Bill and Ben. Yes. Um. So it shows their back. Doesn't mention them by name, but you know it leaves it open to we might have more people. <laughs> yeah. I well, Oliver had Oliver is introduced in this tape, but obviously Oliver is uh, not uh, at the at the beginning. He's he's not revealed. He's not named. He's not really the most relevant engine on the planet Earth. Uh, I like Oliver. It's weird because Oliver. Well, we'll get into this later when we we talk about that actual. You know, not not a lot of engine. Not a lot of engines have their own like specific uh, coach or or in Oliver's case, a brake van who's like really identified as theirs. You know, Toby has Henrietta, Thomas has Annie and Clarabelle. You don't see a lot of that, and yet Oliver is such an irrelevant character. But anyway, also his storyline is. Like basically said to be derivative of the others. That's true. Saying, of, oh, we've already done this before with Trevor. Oh, and then well, we're not actually. I think the next tape is when Stepney. They do the same thing again <laughs> with Rusty. Rusty res- rescues Stepney, which is odd because uh, there's a narrow gauge. And this Good is the them. well, this is the last tape of just steam of just the regular gauge engines, and then we got the narrow gauges coming up rusty to the rescue is the next one that'll be fun we will not take as long of a gap to uh, get to that one but okay so I, do we have anything more to say about the sing-along nope okay well yeah it's a sing-along you know we, we moving forward i don't at the end when we've covered all the tapes and it's like we're an hour in and everybody's just kind of like okay i'm done with thomas tank and chill yeah i yeah, not really looking forward to covering these songs. Tara alluded to that. You know, people are inclined to turn off. Uh, <laughs> they would always say, you know, next story coming up. That's what Sir Top Matt says after they show like the dun 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 dun. Yeah, in between the intermission, I guess. Uh, at the end of those tapes, it's like music video coming up. And when I was a child, I was like, okay, time to turn this off. But uh, it's not time to turn off Tom's Tank Engine and chill because we've got Percy's Ghostly Trick up. And boy, is that a fun episode! Now, what's kind of interesting, and this is a chronology thing. So this is this is it's called Ghost Train in England. It's a uh, it it comes out at the end of season two, and Thomas Percy and the Dragon, which we covered a while ago on this show, 
that episode alludes to this episode, and yet at the same time, the one right after this on this tape, Willie Bear, also does. So this is a really, really important episode in Thomas Lore, Percy's ghostly trick. And uh, it's it starts off with, like, its continuity and, and sort of the plotting of the uh, episode are really all over the place. So we have, we're at the quarry. And Percy is telling Toby something that his driver had been uh, telling them about uh, just just kind of your run-of-the-mill ghost story. And Percy, being naive and silly, doesn't understand that it's not actually real. Thomas is saying, like, this is nonsense. It says, the next day, Percy tells his driver. And yet Percy's, like, literally still just sitting there. So uh, they do a time jump of a full day. that He tells the story on one day. Then the next day, Percy says to his driver that uh, Thomas didn't believe him. And then they do another time jump to the night of that night. So this episode in its first, like, 30 seconds covers a stretch of about a day and a half. I love the quarry set. I wish they'd kind of continued with that one. Um, and this episode really does just dive right into the dramatic action. Percy, it's nighttime, and he is moving. And we see one of the most low-key accidents... Maybe even, I mean, when Thomas got bumped a little bit of warped rail, he was he was kind of like off-center for the rest of the episode. Percy plows through a uh, wagon of lime, and he doesn't go off the rails. Do you think that was unrealistic? Well, it seemed to be soft. I don't know. Would that derail you? He, I don't know. He demolished a lime wagon. First off, the lime wagon, we don't know if it's sentient or not, because it's not like an engine. Ooh. The lime wagon is dead. Yikes. Just like the spiteful, uh, spiteful brake van, and uh, the ones that Diesel uh, knocked into the ocean, they drowned back in, <laughs> uh, yeah, that with uh, with Duck and Percy. This is just kind of this is this is so weird. Why? I mean, poor wagon, but Percy doesn't go. Percy doesn't go off the rails. Percy is covered in lime, and it's funny. Like we have to assume Percy's dry. They didn't say that Percy's wet. The lime sticks to Percy, like, really, really well, which is odd because in Wooly Bear, the next episode, Percy needs the treacle to attract the uh, hay all over him. And even though he gets—well, we'll cover that in a bit. But So Percy gets uh, lime all over him, and then he goes to Toby, and he wants to scare Thomas because Thomas didn't buy his, you know, his campfire ghost story that apparently needs to be true. The cig- they they they're gonna clear the line. Then this is Thomas's branch line too, because I mean it's kind of odd. You think about Thomas taking his evening train through this like weird stretch that we don't really see again. But Percy looks like a ghost. He says to Toby, "You know, you have to help me out with this." Uh, and he kind of leaves. This is really kind of Toby's prank to sell. Toby <laughs> Toby goes and is like, "Oh." Percy's had an accident, and he's he's not really hinting it at it to Thomas, but the implication is that. Thomas is dead. Percy. Or, yeah, that the Percy is dead. <laughs> he goes there, and he's like, you know, he's had a terrible accident. Thomas is still not really believing it. And then Percy arrives at the door, and he's like, this, they're doing uh Peep, peep, let me in. No, not by the hairs on my chimney, chim, chim. Is that, that's Three Little Pigs, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was very clever. Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your door. You know, that's clearly in the public. Well, it's an old, probably 100 years old. It's public domain. Uh, 
they they don't need the rights to to do that story. If they were doing like uh, Avengers Civil War with the the Thomas Trans, they'd need the the rights to that. I mean, they do release those uh, those Thomas minis have all of the superheroes. It's not the most you know Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They do crossovers with everybody. Not the most unrealistic thing in the world to see Thomas uh, to see Thomas in that kind of situation. But um, so so Percy's at the uh, Percy's at the at the doors doors yes well that's great <laughs> Percy at the doors and saying you know let me in let me in and Thomas who has like twelve workers working on him getting him ready how many how many people have you have we seen in other episodes getting an engine ready for their train at night mm-hmm. what kind of railway union is this I hope they're paid. <laughs> And he's at the door, and the door seems to be kind of opening by itself. Like, I don't think we trust the engine to, like, bump the door open. They probably just go through it. So somebody is opening the door. It's opening kind of by itself. And Thomas is getting scared because he hears Percy. And even though he doesn't buy the story, he doesn't buy the story from Toby that he's, uh, that, that Percy's dead. And yet at the same time, Percy's arrived, which would seemingly confirm that he's not actually dead, and yet Thomas is scared by it. Do you think Thomas was projecting when he said that Toby was full of shit? Uh, uh, Percy saying, let me in, let me in, is evidence that Thomas is right, and yet Thomas doesn't really want to believe it. His mind's, uh, mind's playing tricks on him. It's, uh, the whole, the whole situation is a mess, and then Thomas leaves. Now, clearly Tom, is Thomas's driver also scared by this? How is Thomas getting to leave the shed? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And here is the big kicker. Percy's ghostly trick. When you're a little kid, you think, oh, like, it's so clever. Look at Percy. He's covered in lime. This story could have happened without Percy hitting the lime because Thomas doesn't see Percy outside the shed. He's only hearing him going, peep, peep, let me in. You know what? As I'm thinking about it, I'm going to give Toby some credit here because Toby's really the one selling it. Like, no, no, you're not coming in. And Thomas is like, wait, Percy's back. Oh, shit, Toby doesn't want him to come in. Maybe he's telling the truth. I don't know. I think Toby Toby, Toby really sells this performance here. I think, uh, I, I think he does a pretty good job. So Thomas leaves, and then uh, Thomas Thomas sleeps with his. Uh, he sleeps with Annie and Claire. He stays at their place uh, in the. Well, actually, I think it's designed. I think it, they say it's the freight shed. And um, what's kind of funny about that next day shot is you see that the. Uh, if you look at that, the uh, creative treacle is clearly hanging in the shot. I I think they probably from the cutaway from Thomas leaving the shed at night to the morning, I think they probably just used a shot that was intended for Wooly Bear in that because it's it, it, it's almost like it's too much of a coincidence. Uh, but very interesting. Also, the, the thing of Treacle's at the harbor, and they're not at the harbor, so it's just like hanging oh. there. It's like a weird set. It's clearly kind of a set gaff, or I, I don't know if you can even call it a gaff, but uh, it's, it's certainly a little odd, but... Uh, this is, a, I think the resolution for this episode is like kind of weak because, you know, you see Percy, he's all cleaned up. None the worse for wear, and yet Thomas, I mean, Thomas didn't get to see him covered in lime. It's just funny that Thomas is still scared the next day. Why didn't Thomas point out, hey, what about your accident? 
He didn't even, as a good friend, say, how are you doing? I heard you got in an accident. That's a good point. What a jerk. And Percy takes no damage at all from plowing into this. I mean, I almost, if we'd been covering these episodes linearly, I would have been comparing every subsequent sort of accident to, was this worse than Percy plowing through a wagon of lime, R.I.P.? I don't know. What do you think of this episode? It's funny. It's it's good clean antics. Yeah, that's um it, it, I mean as as far as the as far as like the mist like Donald's duck with the egg and all of that is a very complex prank which like almost basically skirts the line toward animal cruelty. Not quite I mean the duck likes it but like that that whole situation some of these other things like the Thomas pulling up the bucket that's covered in holes and then having <laughs> fish in his boiler, like that doesn't make any sense. This this is, I mean, that's not even a prank either. That's just kind of something that happened. But uh, yeah, it, it it's definitely it's definitely one of those things that is uh pretty bizarre. That the lime Percy didn't uh, all the lime does here. All Percy getting covered in lime, all that really adds to the narrative is the idea that he got the inspiration to do this. It's just funny. I, I didn't mention in the beginning, but when, when the driver's telling the story and Percy's, uh, and, and the, the ghost is going around, it's very clearly just Percy with the with paper streamers attached, but it's cute. This is a cute episode. You like this episode? Which do you think is scarier? This or Thomas Percy and the dragon? I think Thomas Percy and the dragon. You know, it's funny. Like you it's, ma- You actually see it then. They, they see this thing coming. It looks scary. You've got fog in both of them, but yeah, visually, I, I think the trains would be more scared. It's funny you mention that because I, as a child, used to be more scared by that one. I wasn't really. I thought this one was. Kind of, it's funny because you got, you just got Percy uh, saying peep peep, let me, and and then the other one they hint that like with the owl, Percy's all alone on the siding. They got the music and the suspense and uh, the weeshing. There's not a lot of weeshing in this, which. Do you think there probably should have been some more weeshing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, this is a fun episode. I, I, I'm I, glad. I feel validated that you uh, thought that Thomas Percy and the Dragon was scarier. Because I, that one, I'll admit, as like a, as a four or five-year-old uh, when when I first watched this. Yeah, I mean, I was probably even younger than that, honestly. Like, this tape came out in 1994. I pretty much probably always had this one. I was born in 91. And I, I, one of my earliest memories is really watching Thomas tapes on the floor of my grandparents' house. <laughs> yeah, so this, I, I, Thomas Prison Dragon used to be kind of a scarier one. And also, I mean, just like in the plotting of the tape, not that we spent a lot of time uh, uh, on the podcast talking about that kind of stuff, but uh, having this sing along beforehand really kind of puts you in like a cheerful, sort of jovial mood. I don't know. That's just me, maybe. Uh, it's pretty funny, though. The Thomas Wiki also notes that the creative tre- treacle is around. I also feel validated about that because my whole life I've noticed that and I've seen it. So that's good. To, that's good. That's good confirmation if, if you're one of the Wiki people listening. Good work. The Thomas Wiki is fascinating. I like it a lot. You should check it out. Um, okay. Uh, Wooly Bear. Are we, are we done with Tom- Percy's Ghostly Trick? Yep. Yeah, that's it's it's fun. I really like it. And you know what? Wooly Wooly Bear is kind of an interesting episode. It feels in a lot of ways like it is a sequel to both uh Percy's Ghostly Trick and it 
it in a lot of ways very much has sort of nodes of better late than ever like with Percy's late, Thomas is all pissed off. It's just like when Henry's late and the viaduct and all of that. Uh, it's 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 very interesting that, which is funny because it it's probably it's a Willy Bear is a direct sequel to Percy's Ghostly Trick. Like in the episode order, uh, Percy's Ghostly Trick is twenty episode twenty four of season two, and Willy Bear's twenty five. Better late than ever is a bit earlier. They play a lot of the same music. It's clearly around the same time period. Like. This is really focusing on the on the core engines. So, Wooly Bear, uh, Percy's still making fun of Thomas, which he was still making fun of him in uh, Thomas, Percy, and the Dragon, so it's not like the ribbing ever goes away. And we've got the Knight's Viaduct uh, music. And then Thomas... <sighs> what did you think when Thomas called Percy ugly? That's very mean. He calls him like a caterpillar. Now, Percy mm-hmm. Thomas has the three big wheels and the uh, the metal rod that the maybe it is called like the rotting that connects those three. Percy only has the two big wheels and he's got like a shorter wheel, so he's he's he is a bit more of a crawly little caterpillar, and, <laughs> and he has curves to Thomas's like square corners. Yeah, corners. Percy likes to be curvy. You know, Percy doesn't want to have to, like, put spanks on to not, uh, you know, to look like the rest of them. Uh, Percy, Percy's, Percy is body positivity. Percy is really the top. I mean, Bill and Ben are tinier, but Bill and Ben are not owned by Sir Top of Matt. Of the core group, Percy's the smallest one. And in fact, uh, like, like in, in the books, uh, you know, Thomas is the blue engine. Edward's the old engine. Gordon's the big engine. And those three are blue. Henry is the green engine. Percy is the small engine. That's his first book. That's like his debut book is Percy the small engine. Toby the tram engine. That's how the core group, James the red engine. So some of them are described by their colors, and then some of them are described by uh, their size. Gordon big, Percy small. And and that dynamic is also explored uh, the the episode The Runaway, which I think would have... No, I, I think it's probably last season. Uh, that's, yeah, that's season one. Um, Willie Bear, though, is, uh, it's just kind of cute. Percy's, Percy's adorable. I mean, who would I, in terms of the cutest Thomas Tangajin character, it's clearly Percy. So, Percy goes to the harbor, and uh, this is really kind of the very early stages of, uh, Percy's sort of connection to the harbor. And then, for whatever reason, there's a creative treacle that is just being transported directly, not only directly over the line, it's being transported directly over an engine. Don't you think that's kind of irresponsible? What is their union doing? That's a good question. It's And then, so the creative treacle falls. If you watch as the creative treacle falls, it doesn't really cover all of Percy. It's very much at the front of him. And yet, with the, the Percy's face kind of avoids the... Uh, treacle, and that's kind of more at the back. Like he's he's shaped like a caterpillar. It's not like his entire. It's not like he's cousin it from the Adams family. He's very much a woolly bear caterpillar, a woolly man bear pig caterpillar, <laughs> something like that. Uh, that's yeah, that's certainly uh interesting. You know, he's he's going around. He's also he's collecting hay to bring to the harbor. Does that sound like something that gets brought to a harbor? Maybe if they actually needed to ship it somewhere. It's just, it's weird. And they've also never discussed hay at all before <laughs> until this very convenient episode. 
it's apparently like growing all along the sides of the rail. Yeah, and the men are uh, trying to, uh, you know, the no female workers, they're trying to uh, do their best to keep the line. It does look like. It does look like a huge, really big problem for the railway that, that their whole line is covered in hay. But then it gets really windy. It's also, I mean, it's not safe. They're, the the workers are not wearing masks. Apparently, the hay is blowing so much that it would hit, like, the top of an engine. So, like, are these, are these, are these workers just getting blown over by the wind, getting hay knocked over? It sounds like absolutely horrendous working conditions. Like, the kind of stuff you'd shut the line down over briefly. And despite all that, Percy gets hit with all of the hay, and yet Thomas notes that he's only 10 minutes late. So that's, like, these workers under uh, unthinkable conditions are doing an incredible job. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's... And, of course, Thomas says, uh, look what crawled out of the hay. Which is, uh... Pretty... These engines come up with the most savage. They're really mean to each other. And this, uh, I gotta say this episode probably more than any of the others uh, in this tape shows just, Thomas is a dick. He's very, like, why Why does Thomas care if they're late or not? He wants to avoid Sir Topham Hatt's wrath. He, he's the kind of guy who sides with management over his fellow worker. He's not a, it's true. Yeah. He's always keeping everyone up. You know, Thomas is also reprimanded a lot for running late, and yet he's now the one doing the yelling. Well, so Thomas is really concerned with punctuality. He says it was worth it to uh, to have seen Percy and all the— I mean, nobody's going to complain. He says the passengers might complain, but, but it, from the looks of it, everybody laughing, it doesn't seem like they're uh, in a position to complain. They don't seem to care— and yet, like, Thomas is so busy that punctuality is such a big concern. And then he has free time to get Toby and go back to the shed in the middle of the day to see Percy, who's being cleaned. Like, if the three of them are supposed to run a branch line, they're all at the shed in the middle of the day. Who is running this branch line? Is Daisy somewhere around? It's it's not at all clear what exactly is... Uh, going on what's also odd is that so percy doesn't at first seem to know what has happened with the hay and it's it 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 it, it sparks this broader existential question of what can these engines feel how can he not feel that he's covered in treacle they get cold at other points he can't feel that he's covered in treacle and hay isn't that like isn't there something kind of messed up about that yep yeah it's it's I don't know. I mean, this episode... I mean, this is really an episode just kind of centered around... Percy getting made a mess because he was kind of mocking. The second an engine has, like... It's a very sort of Old Testament uh, like relationship to the engine. Like, you do one, like, minor thing, and then the rest of the episode is about how you have to be, like, punished for that. Like, in... in, uh, I guess it wouldn't be Exodus. Uh, Moses gets... uh, It would probably be Deuteronomy... Uh, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Ronomy. There we go. Anemonemony. Uh, Moses just strikes a rock once after 40 years in the desert, and God's like, nope, you can't come in. Nope, sorry, you, you questioned me once. That's, this is, this is the dynamic. Percy makes fun of Thomas once, and then he gets, uh, has to be covered in treacle and hay. 
It's very odd. Wait till we get to Percy's Chocolate Crunch. This show loves to cover Percy and things. It's like a weird, uh, I won't say it. It's it's a weird. There's there's certain uh, things that people like that are related to oh, this no. stuff. <laughs> anyway, not 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 anyone on the podcast. That's weird. Don't 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 cover yourself in treacle or lime or chocolate. Don't. You're not a fondue. Anyway, do you have anything uh, else to say about Wooly Bear, Tara? I just found it odd that they didn't clean the treacle off of Percy before putting him back out in the wild. You didn't have a rag. Um, I mean... They just let him out there, still covered in this apparently sticky substance. Yeah, it could have just... It could have really eroded the paint. Which apparently... Can Percy feel his flesh being eroded from treacle? Sugar? Sugar on paint? And the salt water, the salt air, and the treacle? Yeah, that that's a good question. Don't the drivers know that these trains love to make fun of each other for looking bad? And presumably, Sir Topham Hatt and everyone else, too, would want the trains to look clean. Yeah, because, like, think about all the way when we were doing uh, Thomas Breaks the Rules. Thomas gets covered in coal because of uh, the unsafe buffers. And he's covered in coal. He's all dirty. And then Toby has to take Annie and Clarabelle. Or James gets Gordon all dirty. And then he's late for his train. That's odd. It is odd that Percy is allowed to just go around looking like Pigpen or Cousin It. Hmm. Little, a uh, little bit of a mess. Good catch, Tara. Uh, that's uh, yeah, that's uh, it's uh, this is an this is a weird episode, but this dynamic, the dynamic set forth in Wooly Bear, has nothing on. So. Back in December, when we did Thomas's Snowy Surprise, if you listen to that episode, you remember that I picked it. It wasn't, I think it was really the third overall Thomas the Tank Engine Christmas-themed release, but I picked that one over the preceding two because it had, it was 100% episodes that we had not covered yet. And I did that with the uh, intention of avoiding having to cover, there were a couple other episodes that uh, like Thomas and the Missing Christmas Tree, I'm almost positive that or the other Christmas one were meant to be. I think it was Thomas and the Missing Christmas Tree appears on the very early editions of this tape, so early that I wouldn't have had it, and I had a really old. I have a really old copy somewhere in my parents' uh, garage collector's item. But uh, Thomas's Christmas Adventure, which was retitled for the U.S. for whatever reason, it was rebranded to Thomas and Percy's mountain adventure and instead of a christmas theme which is clearly like in england we in america have a thanksgiving episode of thomas the tank engine which ends with you know if, if you're a british listener listening you may be wondering gee do americans have a thanksgiving tree well nowadays people tend to skip thanksgiving they put up their christmas tree early we don't call it a thanksgiving tree we don't put. We certainly don't in November put Thanksgiving presents under the Thanksgiving tree. Have you ever had a Thanksgiving tree, Tara? Nope. So, like, did this episode put you in really a good mood for the Thanksgiving spirit? <laughs> it's clearly Christmas. It's. I, I'm perplexed at why they felt the need to just name it Thanksgiving, as if in America we don't have Christmas, when it is a 
clearly Christmas episode. And yet they also specify at the beginning, oh, this is November. This is an early snow. This is Thanksgiving season. We're going to have our Thanksgiving feast. We have Thanksgiving cards and parcels. They need their mail. Just call it Christmas. Okay. So I know we're, I know we're not, I know we're done with Willie Bear, but that reminded me, I didn't, I'm looking at my notes. There was a carton of treacle was upset all over Percy, which relates directly back to this because that's clearly the American adaptation. You have George Carlin and and the scripts, the scripts do get minor adjustments like cars, trucks, all of that. They do get Americanized. And yet this said a a carton of treacle was upset all over Percy. That's not a that's not no Americans would not really understand what that means, especially young Americans. To say something was upset over all of that, that in in England that would be like if it was upset over it, it would be spilled all over it, or or basically that. That that relates here. I mean, you you you've you've they they left kind of the English translation, and yet here they are going out of their way to say this is a November episode. Mm-hmm. It was a crate of treacle, not a carton. I I wrote the exact quote. I'm looking down at it. But I'm glad we glad we made that distinction. Yeah, they say it's November, it's Thanksgiving. Oh, and they're doing the mail train. When we covered the mail train, I think it was probably Thomas gets bumped. Uh, I was just say, you know, they're supposed to do this every night. They're a half hour late, and people are talking about scrapping the mail train. Here, they're actually to their credit, they get an extra. Uh, they get an extra uh, mail train. Or initially, Thomas is supposed to. Uh, do it. Percy's upset. He wants to uh, say happy. He wants to spend the holidays. The holidays meaning Thanksgiving. He's upset that he doesn't get to spend the holidays, Thanksgiving, with his friends. Because he wants to be in the Thanksgiving spirit. Yep. Lo and behold, another, another common thing. Look, you can get snowstorms in November. It is not super... It's, it's practically... Un- and I grew up on the East Coast. It's practically uncommon or unheard of for a big snowstorm to happen in November. It can happen. That's very much a December kind of January thing. Those are the kind of months where you get the heaviest snow. But this is clearly supposed to be... A- <laughs> I mean, like, we can kind of... Ex- I always kind of knew the Isle of Sodor was supposed to be in England, like the UK kind of thing growing up. And obviously, some of the language is supposed to be American. This Thanksgiving thing is just so stupid. Why did they do this? And actually, we have an answer. Shining time. It, it, a lot of a lot of these decisions go straight back to Shining Time, which Britt Allcroft, the Brit, British person living in America, making an American show, Shining Time Station, has a Thanksgiving episode. They did this because. They wanted a Thanksgiving-themed episode to use as the Thomas segment for Shining Time. It's not Thanksgiving, though. No. And it's... They should have just cut it off at the end. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's so... Or, ri- yeah, just reshoot one scene. Yeah. Uh, it's... Uh, Grab your kids' toys and reshoot the one shot. Uh, yeah. It's... Uh, and you know what? Like... <sighs> I like the set, the the mountain sets, the lower suddity, suddery, not suddity, <laughs> suddery. Uh, yeah, they, they the sets here they they don't use them a ton in the show. Uh, they often kind of a the the last uh, Thomas Snowy surprise the music video used some unused footage. Uh, kind of around this area. I 
the Jack Frost episode. Yeah, that's that that happens uh, later. That w- wouldn't have happened for this. Yeah, the I guess we should not just rail on Thanksgiving the whole time. It's a great Thanksgiving episode. Uh, so they don't get the Thanksgiving mail, the parcels. So a snowstorm comes, and uh, the plan, uh, plans are scrapped. Percy has to uh, take the train. But then he's told, nope, you have to go back. We specifically need this small little village needs a helicopter and a breakdown and a, a works train. This, like, what's the chain of command that this guy who's just standing out there in the middle of the day with his red light that he's uh, authorized to call in a helicopter? I don't know. Maybe. I also found it funny. They they said in the audio narration that he's, like, standing by the line or basically near it. He is standing on the line. He could have been hit. And accidents happen so often in Sodor. Why wouldn't he just, you know, take that precaution of not standing on the line anyway? Would that have been as tragic a loss as uh, the lime wagon? I don't know. <laughs> that lime... <laughs> uh, yeah that's uh he's standing in the middle of the line percy has to go back percy not only has to go back he has to leave the mail at a siding now what would happen if the snow had continued and the mail had gotten all i don't know they, their mail could have been frozen their thanksgiving ma- their thanksgiving presents could have been destroyed so um Percy goes back, and uh, Harold Harold's just sitting there. Harold likes emergencies to keep him warm. That's very sadistic. That's irresponsible to have a uh, uh, helicopter just sitting there waiting for a disaster. He shouldn't like Thanksgiving t- like snow-related disasters. You can't fly in snow, typically. He hmm. he's only able to fly after the disaster, and after he he relies on other people's suffering to keep him warm. That's Harold. That's her, and you know Harold is kind of a jerk. It's it's very interesting. I mean, we're it's the next table we'll cover. Ru- Ru- Rusty's dynamic with Harold in in one of the kind of better bookending uh, tapes because uh, I think Rusty uh, talks in the first and the last episode. Harold is kind of obnoxious there, but it's it's kind of healthy. Harold's dynamic with Percy's weird, but uh, they had their race a long time ago. So Harold, uh, and then, so, okay, here's another interesting dynamic. So Thomas is told initially he's supposed to pull the mail train. Then they say there's been a snowstorm. Percy has to pull it. Thomas ends up, and Thomas is upset because he doesn't get to see his friends at that point. Thomas then takes, is is going there anyway with Terrence the tractor, who, or Terrence, the, no, Trevor's a traction engine. Terrence is a tractor. I got it right the first time. So Thomas has the uh, goods train, and he's got, or the works train, and he's got Terrence, and he's going towards there. He's just going to go there anyway. And what is what is Terrence doing that he's free at this emergency? I mean, at one point, he was babysitting Mrs. Kindly's house. <laughs> when we normally see him, he's in the field. He, what is his, what is his consistent, you know, I was about to say, what's his consistent job? L- like, to play devil's advocate, this is a this is crisis on infinite sodors. Uh, he, you know, it's an all hands on deck type situation. We can accept that. I won't nitpick. Too, I mean, nitpicking is fun. Let's be honest. Um, we won't nitpick too much though. So uh, then they go there, and Toby is also there to help. Henrietta brought hot food and uh, food, plenty of food. He actually doesn't specify it's hot. He says food and 
hot drinks. So Henrietta, they're keeping coffee hot. Why don't they just bring the supplies for the people to warm up? You know, it'd be good if Toby brought. He didn't. If it, be better if he didn't just bring hot chocolate, but maybe give them some of his coal. I don't know. Does he need the coal? So Toby, Toby goes there and um, delivers it, and then he stick. He sticks around. They make his driver and fireman work overtime so that they can load up Henrietta with paint pots and uh, gifts. What kind of gift do you get? An engine? You're. I mean. The most logical one would be a scarf, and we yeah. know that engines... I feel like there's scarves and hats. Well, we know that engines don't wear scarves, especially Henry, because he's got a small... Remember when Percy said that Henry had a small uh, funnel? It was, comp- was uh, questioning his manhood. So the Toby, Toby gets... Henrietta gets filled up with all the parcels. They go back, and uh, they wake up, and there's this <laughs> there's a Thanksgiving tree in the shed. Nice festive Thanksgiving tree and Thanksgiving presents. Christmas is not uttered. And uh, it's they all agree it's the best Thanksgiving they ever had. I bet, because it's Christmas. <laughs> Which just proves my own personal feeling that Thanksgiving is a roadblock to Christmas. We can, we can agree that this is a Thanksgiving episode if they're celebrating it by actually just ringing in Christmas. I will get on board with that. You know, this episode would have worked a lot better if they had acknowledged the fact that it ends. I mean, wh- why why end on that note? Because if if you watch the British version, Santa Claus is mentioned, all of that. They clearly made huh. some. They clearly made some changes. I I don't. It doesn't make any sense that they. It, it's it's an absolute. It's such a disaster. I I don't get it. It does. It, it really. We should go back and do a specific Thomas the Tank Engine show where we go back and we do the Thanksgiving. You know, maybe next November we'll do the Shining Time episode. We don't need to do a full hour on that half hour, but uh, maybe, maybe we should. We'll go see Schemer. I, I love a good chance to uh, see Schemer. Schemer's fun. Uh, in, within the context, I mean, this this episode on its own is just a disaster. It's it's an uh, it's an absolute mess. Did you like this episode? If it weren't for just the little inconsistencies and also, like, Harold dropping stuff in the snow bothers me. That's right, yeah. And he does that, too, when uh, Percy's promise, when he's going through all the water, Harold drops stuff on them. Yeah, if he's bringing food and hot drinks, they're, like, spoiling. Yeah. Harold's also, like, he's he's always so proud of being a helicopter. And then he does stuff like this, and it's like, you're, you're, you had one job. Like, get them the food safely. You know, it's honestly kind of a good comparison to when Trump went to Puerto Rico and was throwing <laughs> throwing the toilet paper. Exactly. He was throwing the toilet paper rolls. <laughs> Harold goes to help, and he's like, bombs away. <laughs> Here's your Thanksgiving tree. Like they didn't even lower it neatly, just thrown off. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a mess. But, uh, yeah, that's a... Uh, you know what? Would this episode have been fun to cover, as fun to cover if it was a Christmas episode? Or is it hilarious because it's a Thanksgiving episode? I, I think it, it does add uh, a layer of humor. <laughs> is this your favorite episode on the tape? Oh, we have two more to cover. Hmm. No. no. We'll, we'll, save, we'll save that. Don't answer that question until we get to the end of the uh, tape. And we've got... Uh, you know, Dory from Finding Nemo might refer to the name of this episode as... Escape. Escape. I wanted to write it like that in my notes. <laughs> Aww. 
That's why we're uh, that's why we're together. That's why yeah. I love Sarah. Um, yeah, that's uh, so. Douglas, Douglas is impatient because Edward and Trevor are talking. What do you think their conversation was about? Grievances. Or was Trevor? What's what's Trevor's favorite subject? Oh, children. <laughs> Maybe Edward doesn't want to hear about the children. Yeah, so Trevor makes a brief cameo. Edward is uh, talking, and Douglas... You know, I really like the Donald Douglas-Duck-Edward dynamic. If there's one big complaint about Oliver's inclusion in the series, that he doesn't really get to be a part of that. Poco, Bill Ben... I guess Bill Ben and Donald Douglas aren't all together at the same time, but uh, Edward gets to have sort of both of those dynamics. He's got Donald and Duck uh, and, and Douglas, and then, you know... He's got like his side family with Boko and Bill and Ben. He's he's co-raising. Uh, he's he's co-parenting twins with two different parents, uh, which is interesting. And then Oliver comes in this equation. So Edward Edward is uh, talking to Trevor, and Douglas is uh, angry. You know the engines, they do chit chat a lot. But why is Douglas? Why does Douglas give a shit that uh, that Edward is just having a break? And then Edward. Edward is the most non no nonsense engine of all. I talk a lot about Edward was my grandma's favorite. Edward's one of my favorite uh, long time long time fans of Thomas who keep up with the new ones. Uh, often note that you know Edward has been kind of a casualty of. Uh, I was a lot of people blame Emily. It, there are a lot of new engines. I you can include Emily and not have to take Edward away, but uh, Edward's been kind of uh, relegated as a core member of the stream. Steam team, not the stream team. There's no stream. But I do actually the Toby Toby's uh that that really high octane episode with Alec Baldwin. Then we'll cover at the rate we're going, probably in like five years, but uh not that far away. So Edward scolds Douglas and says, you know, you have a lot in common with uh Trevor. You were both unwanted who sought you were both refugees to the island of Sodor. You were both almost killed with scrap, you know. And, and you know, spite doggy, will you take that? Not the spiteful uh, breakman. Douglas gets really upset about the horror. You know, Douglas is really ho- horrified about the scrap when uh, he and his brother conspired to kill that spiteful breakman. Hmm, that's interesting. And then, like, one of the big things about Escape that's really interesting as an episode is how convenient all of this timing is. They need another engine. Douglas is going to. A faraway part of the island where only the diesels work. It's like an underclass, mm-hmm. like the, only the good, like this is this dirty off, you know, only diesels. And then they happen to see that there's an engine who's, you know, there's there's this random ass steam engine. At the end of the episode, Sir Tom Matt notes that steam engines are hard to come by. If we're going to get another one, it's going to be rescued from scrap. And yet, like, conveniently, there's one who's hanging out there who's just trying to escape. Like, what is up with that? It's just, where did he come from? Who's in charge of him? Apparently the foreman? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's definitely, uh, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't make any sense. I guess, so, you have to kind of unpack this episode. The book does a much better job of, of this dynamic. Oliver wasn't really meant to be scrapped there. 
necessarily they were like hiding there and yet it's a spot where only the diesels go and conveniently it's just the backs of the diesels we already see like mavis and boko and uh diesel himself so they're there and douglas you know douglas is there and oliver's like are you are, are you from sir topham hats railway like why why can't his driver and fireman be like we're, we're a steam engine can we have re- refuge here why did they need to... It, it it kind of, in a lot of ways, mirrors U.S. asylum law. Uh, they're trying to change it right now, but you have to physically show up and declare yourself an asylum at the border, which causes a lot of problems, because they say, well, no, we're not giving you status. Where exactly do you go? You get let in. You can't just wait at a border. Here, instead of... Uh, like, I guess their plan is to try and go to Stratopomat's part of the... Island, which also makes you like think, you know, how 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 much of the railway does Sir Dopamat control? I mean, this dynamic is very confusing. Did you think it made a lot of sense? No. <laughs> I, I a lot of things in these just don't. Well, you have Oliver, and he's. A, I mean, it's thankful he's escaping with his brake vent. Yeah, huh. in the book, <laughs> in the books, I think he also has. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty positive in the books he has a an, an engine that he also. Uh, hangs out with uh that was also rescued but i'm blanking on the name and uh yeah that's um oh he has two yeah he has two coaches uh isabel and dulcie there we go thank you the internet's a wonderful thing they're they're not in uh they're not in the show but toad is and toad has a really great episode that we're not a toad stands by with as scruffy Scruffy the break, uh, not Scruffy the break fan, uh, freight car. Yeah, that Toad. Toad doesn't really get that many great moments here. But George, George Carlin, the way he voices Toad is pretty ridiculous. But uh, so the plan to escape, the plan to escape. Douglas is uh, there's no time to turn around. It's very dangerous to have Douglas uh, go on the main line backwards. But they're coupled face to face and uh. It's it's really confusing when you're trying to unpack this episode because the point of writing scrap on them was to basically say Douglas is taking the engines to be scrapped. However, they they're all only shown with scrap, so it doesn't like the show does a really bad job of articulating why wh- why and when and who wrote scrap on them for what purpose. So then they go there. And they're 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 just about to leave the diesel the diesel hollow their little uh, camp uh, their place they hang out their little clubhouse their little camp spot, and they're pulling out and the uh, the foreman is like the, the guard saying uh, a great western and a brake van you can't take these and they're like but they're but these are for us, and then he looks and then you know the guard goes from you can't take these to seems in order right away. In, like, a second. Like, this is a really, really, really idiotic uh, concept. And I say that. I remember when I was in college, I thought about this episode. My roommates and I needed a new beer pong table for our off-campus house. We knew one of the uh, on-campus buildings had a table just leaned against the side of the wall that we wanted and rather than you know knowing knowing that they're knowing that nobody's around in the like at nighttime, we went there in the middle of the day, picked it up, and carried it back to back. Oh my God, I saw a twenty-minute walk back with it, but uh, no, they, 
nobody ever once questioned like where are you taking this table it was just you know seems in order right away yeah that's uh if anybody's listening from bc and was wondering where the table was uh 12 years later sorry i don't know where it went now (laughs) such a fascinating detour but they go back and then uh this is also when it gets interesting you have sir Matt who's who's teasing them at the well it also it takes all night of douglas going backwards uh it takes them all night. They had a midnight train that got them there. They go through the night to go back. And then they just dump Oliver at the works. Like, what was Douglas's long-term plan here? But uh, a clue to the works are like, great. Here's a new Great Western. Like, this is awesome. And then they go, and uh, all the engines are like, you know, we need this new engine. And please, please have it be a steam engine. Is that a little bigoted against diesels? I don't, I don't get what the difference really is realistically and what they can do. I I don't know. Yeah, seems like it. So Tramat comes and he's like, what, what's this all about? And they're like, you know, we need another engine. And then Douglas is like casually like, what? maybe it was Duck. Yeah, Duck says, you know, one's been found. And Tramat who goes over and says, what's this all about? He's like, yes, and so it has. Oliver will be a great addition. He knows all about Oliver. He's just pulling. Yeah. They didn't even need to plan a depot station to make the to, to justify the. They didn't need a depot station to justify the escape. Yeah. So, yeah, this whole thing is a disaster. I, I don't know. It, this is a. I, I've always loved this episode. It's it's really one of the. It's 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 a lot of fun. You like this episode? Mm-hmm. It's cute. You know, they 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 try to save a friend, and it works out. Everyone's happy. All's well that ends well. Until the next episode. Yes, I was about to say that. You beat me to it. Well done. <sighs> you know, we talk a lot about... Uh, we, we talk a lot on this show about times in which the engines are blamed for things that couldn't be their fault because the engines cannot drive themselves. They cannot... They're not the ones going around making these... uh, They can't even feel. They can't feel when they're covered in treacle. These engines have no autonomy over themselves. And yet, Oliver... Oliver is being showered in praise at the beginning of the episode, really, by Gordon and Henry. He's called Sagacious, which is uh, also called... Also known as Good Gracious. Which is a reference in the book... It is, uh, the uh, episode t- story is Resource and Sagacity. And I guess Sagacity. You know, it, it's a really, it's a it's a show of the times that Sagacity could, uh, is a word that children would have known when these stories were written decades, decades and decades ago. And now, uh, when this episode was made in 1992, it was, uh, Sagacious is a word that no children would know, so they uh, made a joke about it. Good gracious. We're, we're done educate. A word that could have been a good educational tool is now a subject of mockery. Very interesting. Very, very interesting stuff. So they're being, they're calling him, they're calling him sagacious, and it goes to his head. And that's a huge stark contrast from when Duck, Montague, known as Duck, when he was introduced in the show, they were so mean, and they would go quack, 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 and it was to the point where Duck and Percy staged a strike on the turntable and wouldn't let them in. Like It was a combative and all of that, and by comparison, maybe that's why Duck was all upset. He doesn't, there's no reference in the episode to that episode, 
But you've got to think, like, Duck is seeing how well-received Oliver has been, and he's thinking, like, shit, they were such assholes to me when I was introduced, and now here I am seeing this. Like, I could see how Duck would be uh, feel a little jealous from that. Also interesting, uh, so Duck, or Oliver, is shown to pull coaches at least two separate occasions in this episode. The first time he has Toad, and they have the orange, uh, the brighter orange than uh, Annie and Clarabella, kind of more of a yellowish orange. The sort of stock uh, little uh, yellow coaches, uh, those are really fun. I like those. You don't see them a ton uh, moving past the episodes that we're covering. Very much. Uh, this is like the heart of season three. A lot of the a lot of the different sets that we see are um, the uh, waterfall, the three way road, the Arlsberg yards. Uh, this these are all sort of season three things. So Oliver has Toad on the uh, on a just regular coach's train, which seems like a waste of a perfectly good brakeman. But later on, he doesn't, and Toad doesn't actually speak in this episode. But we've got uh, Oliver is. Uh, He's gone, he's, he's, uh, all of this has gone to his head, and yet, he apparently, this is kind of odd, so he's only, since he's arrived, he's only been pushing coaches, pulling coaches, and yet, you know, at, at a certain point, Strop Hat is able to say, okay, now you're ready for freight cars, what, what job did Oliver do at his old, has he mm-hmm. never pulled freight cars in his life before? I mean that's it. It doesn't make any sense. What also, was so when they saved him from the scrapyard and Sir Topham had just says immediately, "Yeah, welcome to the family." Did he bring his resume? Did they have to interview him? Clearly not, because apparently he's never done this before. Mm-hmm. And he, and if he has done it before, he's not telling anyone. So your guess is as good as mine. It doesn't make any sense. He's apparently never pulled freight cars, and he's not too interested in being told how to handle them. And what does it say about the freight cars that they're like, they have to handle these guys with, with such kid gloves that... The, so the action of this episode is the freight cars are comfortable. They don't want to move. They don't want to move. They're comfortable. And Oliver is rude to them. So they decide to get him back. You can... There are plenty... This is... End of season three. There are plenty of episodes before this where engines are mean to cars. And guess what? In fact, the vast majority of interactions with freight cars are mean. And yet Oliver is to be punished because... uh, For the crime of saying, like, I don't care how comfortable you are. Yo, it's time to go. What? What? And you know what? There's another bit of, like, singularly weird... There are, the the cars are freight cars are able to pull uh to cause enough momentum that that he can't control them and he's pushed onto a turntable and it's very odd there'd be a turntable like in their line of fire anyway. How did this? How did how did the freight cars assume such control with this? Is like the one runaway freight car instance that had no hill of all uh, involved whatsoever. How did they manage to take control of Oliver like this and push him? Like it doesn't. They have no engine. What? Where? Force equals mass times acceleration. Where are they accelerating? Do do, do any of pure energy of hatred? It's honestly, it's like they're conjuring it out of nowhere. It doesn't make any sense. This is bizarre. They cause and, and and the turntable is currently in use. 
I've never ever in the show before seen the turntable that close to uh, 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 coal loading. I, you don't see freight cars really around them at all. And there aren't a ton of, you know, Gordon uh, Gordon's Ditch uh, tenders and turntables. Those are supposed to be kind of far away from the... from t- Tim the Shed is, is not really near this. And I don't... Yeah, this is... Uh, I don't know. It's a mess. The whole thing doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Oliver falls in. And this is, what, what, what did Oliver do here to cause the mess? Why does he have to apologize? Where are his driver and fireman? Like, this is really a clearly a problem of his brakes. It doesn't make any sense. Like, when James uh, when James had his initial accident that Thomas has to rescue him from all the way, and Thomas gets tricked the last episode of that tape, James's wooden brakes were blamed as the problem. Here, we have, like, kind of the same situation, apparently, except no hill. And what's he just so arrogant that they... I, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to beat a uh, dead horse on this one, but it it doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense whatsoever. What do you think of this episode, Tara? Yeah, I it it just it's the continual frustration of why aren't the drivers and firemen being held responsible for this? They keep making like good gracious jokes, and Duck is really mean when he falls in the turntable. He says Donald and Douglas will miss their turntable. I mean, what, what turntable is this anyway? And, uh, the turntable honestly does not look like it took a ton of damage. He just fell in the well. If anything, they need to, like, if, if falling in the well created, like, a dent, you, you could, you know, fill it in. And it's unclear why, like, a divot in the, in there would, would, would really, there's really no problem here as far as I can <laughs> see. Just, like, his drivers, they d- didn't do anything. No. This isn't. You know, are they the sagacious ones, or is Oliver? Good question. So then Oliver, and you know, the damage is so unsevere. Like, it, clearly this is a more serious problem than the, than hitting the lime wagon. And yet, he got, they, they say he comes back in a few days from the works, which he had just been, uh, apparently he's kind of a regular there. This, I mean, if we unpack, like, the, point of this episode you could kind of say okay this is meant to be kind of a way to teach kids not to be arrogant and stuff you you should be gracious you shouldn't be arrogant and yet it feels like he's scapegoated and sandbagged and the freight cars are really isn't really the lesson they're they're putting forth if freight cars are comfortable don't touch them what are we supposed to learn from this did you learn anything from this episode? <laughs> no. <laughs> but at least Oliver did, apparently. Well, uh I mean the 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 really great the next time they make a major appearance is really it's it's almost really it's called Toad Stands By. It's really more of Toad's episode than Oliver's, but it is uh it's a classic. It's <laughs> Ah, it <laughs> It's just as like the the morality is just as weirdly out of place and doesn't make any sense. But uh, yeah, we'll cover that one soon. Yeah, that's uh, we have another we have another kind of gem in the morality department in uh, or I guess thematic department would be the most accurate term. 
for uh, the final episode that we will be covering on this tape. We have All at Sea. What did you think of All at Sea, Taryn? Was that... It was a very pretty set. You know, when I looked at... When I looked at kind of the ordering of the tapes and and, and tape order, this is all very... I mean, it is, it's 100% arbitrary the way they kind of center all of this. But if we take All at Sea, if we're following the VHS chrono- uh, chronology, All at Sea is bookending the... Uh, George Car- the the pre-narrow gauge era. And I say that in reality the Thomas's uh you know Thanksgiving episode is the last last episode of season 3. So that's hmm. kind of bookending it. And even uh Percy James and the Fruitful Day if we That episode the Christmas episode uh, premiered originally in the in July. Christmas in July. That's great. Percy James and the Fruitful Day is even beyond that. So me me adding to say that all at sea is is bookending the uh pre narrow gauge era is is really just a, a a product of the VHS chronology so it really shouldn't have any meaning beyond that but as a as a kid sentiment it, it, it's kind of like a tranquil episode more serene a bit more philosophical at its core this is an episode about engines wanting more out of life than what their rails can offer them and duck and percy and later in the very last shot even though he doesn't speak thomas is just kind of thrown in there for no reason at all but uh there he is and (laughs) it's weird how they get to this point of i want more out of life to i'm happy with where i am and once again, Harold's being kind of an idiot. He's uh, they want to watch the regatta. Duck can talk about nothing but the regatta, angering Percy. Oliver isn't here yet. Oliver's nowhere to be found. Maybe he's tending Duck's branch line. Uh, they're at the harbor and they want to watch the regatta. And Harold is watching. And then a guy has a hand accident, and it requires him not. You'd think the mechanics of getting a helicopter so. They go from boat to helicopter to train to birdie the bus. When in reality, it probably would have been a hell of a lot easier if one of the boats had sailed the injured person directly to the dock and then birdie picked them up and took them to the hospital. That's two steps, not four steps. Apparently, he had a hand injury that was so severe that he needed a helicopter airlift, and yet it was not severe enough that he needed to have... uh, Duck takes him to birdie... He has no, there's no, there's no coach, there's no freight car. So he has to ride in Duck's cab with his driver and fireman, a crowded dynamic. The hand injury is so severe that he doesn't need to, like, sit down and keep it immobile. He's good to stand in Duck's cab with all of the smoke uh, coming out of his firebox. That doesn't make any sense at all. What, what kind of hand injury is, is, is so sort of casual that, that, they can take their time to do all of this, and yet it, he can just be in ducks. The, you, the whole thing. You, uh, I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin to unpack all of that. Just a absolute. I mean, do you th- how many hand injuries can you think of that need to be like air, 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 air helicopter airlift, but then also to train mm-hmm. in the bus? Yeah, it, it's a lot of tax dollars going to waste. Assuming this is UK money at work. And it's apparently so serious that he needed to be airlifted. 
And yet Harold is still hanging around. Like, okay, he has to stick around for... Because there's something more. Other emergencies. What is this regatta? My dad my dad is uh, at his uh, yacht club, does race committee stuff every weekend. There's no helicopter that watches them. I've seen a lot of regattas. No helicopters. Ugh. And and then I guess we're to be happy with where we are because we helped a man go to the hospital who kind of hurt his hand. What what is the takeaway from this episode? Complac- this episode is is this episode it's is like complacency. Yeah, it's like anti-union. It's like you're happy with what you have. Yeah, exactly. It's like don't dream about what's beyond the sea. Be happy with the work you have. And also, here's a fun person who's injured just for fun. Well, also, when it comes to Harold, like, Harold's kind of teasing them in the middle of the episode, saying, like, I've been beyond the horizon. I can land anywhere. I can even land on ships. And he's, like, describing things that Percy and Duck really have no context about. They don't understand. Uh, Yeah, I... I it, it doesn't it doesn't ugh, I I don't <laughs> Apparently this is one of apparently this is like a very favorite episode of the people who made it which is maybe why it was bookending like they like the closing shot a lot of uh, Duck Percy and Thomas uh, Thomas is just thrown in you mm-hmm. think was he was he vital this episode No <laughs> I mean it, it it's really nice to like see them I remember when I would uh, we would go out on my grandfather's powerboat, and there'd be r- regattas on Long Island Sound in uh, on the east coast of uh, America. If you're an international listener, and I'd see regattas, I I learned about regattas first through this episode, so I thought that was like kind of cool. And when the sunset, you see the boats. It's very tranquil. It's very serene. If, if we we live on the water in Long Beach, uh, it's nice to see those kind of boats just having fun. Uh, this. I could say this episode works better if you don't think about it too much, and yet when you do think of like, there should be a difference between not overanalyzing and feigning ignorance. This is an episode uh, that that begs for you not to feign ignorance because it's saying like, the the big takeaway of this is uh, sometimes the best travels are those that only exist in dreams. No. Sometimes the best travels are are, are come from actually traveling. Which is something that, you know, Thomas in the special letter, which we're not too far away from. Like, a, a lady wants, a little girl wants uh, Thomas to come visit because he lives far away. And they, they all decide to go and visit her. Why didn't they say, but but, but Sir Tom Hat, you said the, the best, sometimes the best uh, travels are the ones in dreams. Maybe this girl should just, we shouldn't go. They should just dream about us instead. I don't know. It's it's a weird it's a weird note to end on. Yeah, I I think what they really should do is Harold should hoist them up and give them a nice tour of the harbor. Well, will he or he could bring a photographer? Willie Bear, <laughs> they show him. Uh, uh, Percy's driver shows him a mirror to show him what he looks like. Bring him, bring them a picture. These engines are showing signs of depression. Yeah, Duck is obsessed. He's uh, obsessive about the harbor. This life sucks. Sad stuff. You have anything more about all at sea? It is very peaceful and pretty. I like the little pennants hanging around. Yeah, it is. 
it's a peaceful, it's a good note to end on. Uh, you know, traditionally, I've always been kind of, I don't want to say against, uh, there aren't a ton of uh, final episodes of the tapes, and I'm like, oh my god, this is one of the best of, of the tape. I think they, they tend to show their better episodes more toward the beginning, but it's a nice one. It makes you think about kind of, it's a good snapshot of where Thomas was before the status quo is blown up and we'll spend the vast majority of the rest of the George Carlin era with the narrow gauges. At least two of the episodes of pretty much every tape moving forward is narrow gauges, if not more. Thomas Tangent Show will change. We'll have, uh, this is, you know, more characters, more toys, more merchandising for people. Mm -hmm. But uh, these are characters that we've spent a lot of time with, and they're not going to be totally at the forefront anymore. So, I, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to think about. What was your favorite uh, episode of the tape, Tara? I did like this one, All at Sea, just because it's pretty. They don't spend a lot of time at the harbor that doesn't really involve. So, yes, technically this is also an accident. Um but often not, not caused by them though. Yeah. Brendan Doc. Yeah. Um so often it's like the trains are the ones getting hurt. Very true. So it's nice to see it, you know, nice summer day. Yeah. I I would agree with that. Uh it's very cute. Uh mm-hmm. apparently some of the boats were models, uh Last Little Easter Egg and all that see were from a show. I know Thomas, like the kind of the people who would especially British uh fans who uh you see a lot in, in Thomas, like, meme groups and stuff. The show Tugs being mentioned. So some of the boats were there. A little Easter egg for those people. Uh, yeah, my favorite episode of this... Uh, uh, yeah. I like... It probably is... Escape is just probably the most fun. It's 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 probably Douglas's best episode, besides the Spiteful Breakman. And uh, Percy's Ghostly Tricks are kind of hard to beat, because it's just uh, funny and, and cute and... A lot of fun. This is probably... I didn't really talk about it. Like, I had a lot of great affection for this episode, this this tape uh, as a whole, but this Thomas Percy and the Dragon kind of compete for my second favorite after uh, Tenders and Turntables. I've talked about a lot as, as really my, my own personal favorite tape. But uh, this is... Uh, this this one's a lot of fun. And Narrow Cage is a lot of fun. I do love I love Peter Sam, Scarlowy, Rusty, uh less I don't think Duncan's in the next one. Uh Sir Handel's a lot of fun. George Steamroller. Great stuff coming up ahead. And uh you have any final thoughts as we uh wrap up, Tara? Overall, I would say that the trains tank engine, sorry. In this one, they're they're much nicer to each other. That's a good they're point. They're more harmless um, pranks. Like you know, they're still there, but yeah, overall, it's it's much more peaceful experience in this tape. Um. Yes. Yes. That's uh, that's true. Aside from Willie Bear, which is kind of out of place because this is a series two episode in a collection that's predominantly season three. But anyway, that's uh, yeah, that's a good note to end on. Uh, personally. I, th- I, th- I think also kind of the reason that we've had a delay in getting to this one is this is this is like my last like top tier. Oh my god, I love love. love. Well, no, that's not true. Rusty the Rescue is great, but there's a part of me that didn't want to uh, cover this one because that means we're getting close to getting out of the George Carlin era there that I really grew up with and loved, and along with the Ringo Star heading into Alec Baldwin. Tara likes Alec Baldwin ones, though, so uh, we'll cover that with uh, great affection, and there's a lot of meaty stuff that, uh, fun, weird, uh, 
Weird Episodes, Boulder, all of that. A lot of great stuff coming up ahead in this show. And we're so glad that you uh, took some time to revisit the island of Sodor with us. And uh, we're going to get on with the rest of our weekend. I hope whenever, wherever you're listening, you uh, have dreams that are better than what a helicopter tells you are beyond the horizon. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time. (laughs) Thank you.